Fascinating time to be an NFL analyst. Fascinating time to be an NFL coach these days, Jeff. We will get to Vikings issues, but we're also going to talk a lot about the NFC North. And and let's let's talk about this, Jeff. Uh, when you were working for the Vikings, Bud Grant coached a long time at the end of his year, career without really winning a lot. I mean, the teams are obviously still good and competent, but he wasn't winning big. Tom Landry, last eight years of his career, he wasn't winning big. Now you can win big in the regular season, and if, as soon as it turns south, you are gone. Uh, it's, it's fascinating to see the NFL become this reactive. Uh, how much have you seen it change in your time? Well, yeah, I think I think definitely owners are not as patient as they used to be, uh, except for certain situations, certain teams, such as the Steelers with Mike Tomlin, uh, with his longevity, and the Giants to a certain extent with the Mara family, kind of the old guard ownership groups. And I guess maybe this week you put Jerry Jones in that category too. He's been around a long time. And, and he's decided to keep Mike McCarthy, which I think surprised a lot of people after their horrible performance in the in the playoff game last weekend. So it's just to see the Packers just destroy them as they did was, was I'm, I'm not saying anything is shocking in the NFL, but that was almost pretty close. That was pretty shocking. So, so yeah, I think certainly for the for the most part, the patience has worn thin for owners because they do see teams that rise up quickly with coaching changes or quarterback changes. And and so they think that, yeah, I'm going to make a change. I'm going to change the, the dynamics here. And, and we've seen that in the past several years with so many coaching changes, eight to 10 head coaches changing back in the day, there were maybe three or four that would change on a, in a normal year. So, yeah, I think you're, you are correct that, there is a lot less patience, and I think that certainly puts the pressure on someone such as Kevin O'Connell. Had, had a great first year with the Vikings, not such a great second year. Injuries a huge part of that. We know we know that, but now he he's looking at the Lions and the Packers rising up in the playoffs. Packers look ahead of schedule. Jordan Love looks like the next franchise QB in Green Bay. The Bears won four of their last six. They've got two picks in the top 10 and we'll see if they keep Justin Fields. And at this stage, it looks like the tea leaves are leaning more towards maybe they're going to take Caleb Williams or Drake may and, and trade Justin Fields. And, but, and they still have a, a top 10 pick besides that uh, and pick up more picks. So it's just kind of a crazy time in the NFC North and the Vikings. I think they've got the talent to compete with these teams and they could certainly make the flip next year as Detroit did and as Green Bay did is very possible if they can do certain things, which we'll talk about in the coming weeks on their roadmap to success, which starts with figuring out their quarterback situation. No doubt. He's Jeff Diamond, former Vikings general manager, now host of Jeff Diamond's Vikings and NFL Insider. This is TalkNorth.com. Thank you for listening. Best way to listen to this show or any show you like on our ever-growing network. Subscribe to your favorite podcast app. It's free. It's the easiest way to listen. We're coming to you from the Aquarius Home Services studios. Thanks to Aquarius Home Services. Thanks also to our longtime sponsors, White Bear Lake Superstore and Platinum Bank. Uh, so, Jeff, let's get more into the NFC North. Uh, you know, I don't know that 
13 months ago, we would have been sitting here saying, okay, yeah, and after the 2023 season, uh, the Packers are going to go, you know, win a big road playoff game in Dallas, uh, maybe the biggest upset of the season, and the Lions are just going to cruise their division title and win their first playoff game since 1991. But that's where we are now. Uh, how much, you know, first of all, just how impressed are you by those performances by those teams, and what does it mean to you in terms of the balance of power in the division? Yeah, you have to be very impressed with with how they how they played, and starting with 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 the Packers going into Dallas as, as a touchdown underdog and and just destroying the Cowboys and but how much of that is was Dak Prescott shrinking on the big stage as he's done in the past? He's now got a two and five playoff record and really his two interceptions kind of turned the game south for Dallas, especially the pick six by Darnell Savage. So, but, but Jordan Love just looks so poised and confident that very impressed with, with what the Packers have done. Their young receivers are coming on with guys like Romeo Dobbs and, and Jaden Reed and, and, and Christian Watson really has been banged up most of the year. He was their best receiver. And if, if they can figure out his injury problems in the future with his hamstring, that's a pretty dynamic group there. And, and, and I think that really the surprising thing is how their offensive line has improved so much. They lost Bakhtiari, and, and yet they're, they're playing really well running the ball. Aaron Jones has, looks rejuvenated with four straight 100-yard games. So, yeah, I'm very impressed with the Packers. I'm still, I still think their defense is suspect in, in certain spots, especially against the run and in the secondary. I think they will be exposed by Christian McCaffrey and the 49ers as long as Brock Purdy doesn't turn it over. But we'll talk more about that when we get into our predictions. But I'm impressed with the Packers. Yes, they and, still and have. How, and how about the Lions? Uh, and, you know, they and, then, and the Lions. Yeah, you got to be impressed with with how they built that team in the trenches on both sides. Their offensive line, one of the best in the league, anchored by Frank Ragnow from Chanhazen here, and on the defensive side by Aiden Hutchinson. But but again, their secondary is, is suspect. And, and Stafford and, and uh, Nakua picked them apart last week, and that could certainly happen with Mike Evans and, and uh, Baker Mayfield this week for Tampa Bay with their passing attack. So, it, it's uh, yeah, the Lions are impressive. The Packers are impressive. But I don't think they are juggernauts that can't be overcome next year. If, as I said, the Vikings can, first of all, draft better, get more impact players out of the draft. They've only gotten a few in the last couple of years, led by Jordan Addison. Got to, got to start hitting on those all those picks, not only the high picks, but the middle round picks too. And get get healthy, get guys like like uh, Hawkinson back, Jefferson playing great, get them re-signed. So a lot of things that can happen. But I'm really impressed with what Detroit and Green Bay are doing. But I think after this weekend, there may only be one of those teams still standing. Sure. Uh, well, which of those two teams do you think has a better future? And of course, we're talking about impatience in the NFL. The future might only be a year or two. But you know, you have the Packers have all that youth. The Lions have a veteran quarterback uh, and need to fix some things on defense. But they've pretty much built an ideal offense, and they have their pass rusher and they have good linebackers. I mean, who 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 do you see having the better next? two or three years between those two teams. Yeah, I, I, I think I think you have to go with, with Detroit for the next maybe two years, and then I think Green Bay can surpass them 
as as Goff gets older and Jordan Love continues to improve. But I think the immediate future, I think the Lions are, are the better team top to bottom, even though I think their their secondary is still suspect. But they've got more draft picks that they can tap into to improve their secondary. And the Packers, they also have some extra picks, too. For, still another extra second one from the Rodgers trade. How great does that look mm-hmm. for the for, for the move that Brian Gutekunst did, their GM, last year to, to pull the plug on Rodgers at that point, turn it over to Jordan Love, and in the first year, he's playing great in the second half of the season and in the playoff game. So, yeah, I, I think both those teams have good futures, but for the Lions, it will still depend on what happens in the future at quarterback. Uh, I think Jared Goff is, is a very good player, but how, how much longer can he sustain it? And he's had his ups and downs to a turnover. So we will see what happens there, and and we'll see what happens with the Vikings come draft time if they're going to go into, into the first round for a quarterback, which, of course, we'll be talking about uh, repeatedly over the next couple of months, Jim. <laughs> All right, and we're going to kind of save our Vikings roadmap for a future show. Uh, but just to give us a preview of that, what's the first thing that has to happen or do you think that will happen in the Vikings offseason season? What's the first domino? I, I think the first domino has to be getting Cousins resigned, And they they need to do it before, before the start of the league year so they can get his cap number down a little bit. And, and I think at the same point, I think getting Justin Jefferson extended at that point in time is also really important. He's got a, 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 a almost $20 million cap number. When they get his deal done for somewhere in the range of, of uh, probably $34 million a year on the extension, which would be about $31 million a year on average when you factor in he's going to make close to twenty this year, they can get his cap number down by about $10 million. It's really an inter- interesting year for the Vikings because they they go into the off season with thirty nine million in cap room, which is really unusual. They ha- haven't had that luxury for a long time, and and so I think that gives them the wherewithal to get Cousins done, to get Jefferson extended and lower his cap number, and re-sign to Neil Hunter, which I think is is a must sign for their defense yep. to get him back. And they may even have the have the room to to re-sign DJ Wanham. Perhaps, and again, we'll talk about that in the future on the roadmap. But Wanham coming off that torn quad, maybe his market value goes down a little bit, so they can bring him back and and kiss Marcus Davenport goodbye for his thirteen million bucks that didn't pay off. No doubt. How about do you have a feel for what Harrison Smith's going to do? Certainly, after the last game of the season, it sounded like he was leaning toward retirement. And is this team a better team with Harrison Smith retiring and getting to use? you know, a little bit of that cap space, or are they a better team just having Harrison Smith playing? Yeah, I think that's a, that's a really tough question. Uh, I think that Harrison started the year really strong, maybe didn't finish it as well as, as he would have wanted to it's in terms of impact plays, but he was still an important leader on that defense uh, with, with all the young players. And, and yeah, they've got some, some safeties coming up in the pipeline with, with uh, Cam Bynum and Josh Metellus. Those guys still need to improve. They made they made a lot of plays this year, but they were also exposed a little bit in coverage. And so if, if Harrison and and I, I do think Harrison probably will retire, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if he doesn't, because <laughs> he, he still loves the game, he loves to play, and, and loves the interaction with with his teammates. And I, and I still think he he can play. 
what's going to happen with Lewis seen is a big part of the equation. And they've, they've gotten nothing out of him for two years. First round pick looks really bad on, on the draft resume. And so, and then they also have Jay Ward they drafted last year. So they've got some depth at safety where they really need help as a corner. <laughs> and certainly when, when Byron Murphy went down, they were really exposed there. So I think they're going to be drafting a bunch of corners. And I think if Harrison leaves, they've got some talent in that secondary, but they're going to have a leadership void. So I think it's a, it's kind of a catch 22 with Harrison's situation. Yeah. All right. Let's, uh, let's get into the weekend games. Also, we're going to talk, let's talk about the Cowboys. Let's also talk about two quarterbacks who really looked small in this playoffs, which is uh, Dak and Tua. Uh, we'll get to all that. First, we do want to thank our longtime sponsors, White Bear Lake Superstore, whitebearlakesuperstore.com. Yeah, thanks, Jim. The White Bear Lake Superstore, Buick GMC, with my longtime friend, owner, Paul Rubin, General Manager, Charlie Guttrell, their fantastic staff. Minnesota's number one volume, Buick GMC dealer, six years running, with the best selection and their super-friendly premium team. Check out their great website, whitebearlakesuperstore.com. You'll see... $3,500 purchase allowance plus $2,500 trade assistance on 2023 and 2024 GMC Sierra 1500s. 1.9% APR plus up to $2,500 purchase allowance on 2023 Buick Envisions. A 1.9% APR and $500 purchase allowance on 2024 GMC Terrains and the world's first all electric super truck, the GMC Hummer EV pickup and SUV. The White Bear Lake Superstore also is the Quigley 4x4 Van Superstore. They are a certified elite dealer. Only 7% of GM dealers make the cut. Visit in person at 3900 Highway 61 North in White Bear Lake or online at whitebearlakesuperstore.com for all your vehicle needs and the premium experience. Buick GMC, we are professional grade. We're coming to the Aquarius Home Services studio, and we also want to thank longtime sponsor Platinum Bank. Happy to talk about our great sponsor, Platinum Bank. Is your bank a partner or simply a provider? In today's environment, businesses and individuals need a bank that can move quickly and act creatively. Platinum Bank understands the Twin Cities market, partnering with clients to overcome the challenges, capitalizing opportunities, and helping Twin Cities executives to grow their businesses. Platinum Bank's financial products are tailored to meet the unique needs of your organization and solve your problems, not create them. I am a very happy Platinum Bank client and account holder, have been for many years, have personally experienced tremendous customer service working with Executive VP Nate Erfer and VP Drew Lynch. To learn how Platinum Bank can be an asset to your business, visit www.platinumbankmn.com. Platinum Bank, providing a means to a dream. So if you watch ESPN, it's been almost all coverage of the Cowboys and what they would do. Uh, would they move on from Mike McCarthy in the wake of a very embarrassing playoff loss? Now we know they're going to keep Mike McCarthy. Uh, I mean, you've had to make decisions like this. How difficult of a decision do you think this was, and do you think they made the right decision? I think it was a really tough decision after how bad they looked in that game and how and how bad to, how bad Dak Prescott played when Mike McCarthy is the is the play caller there. So yeah, and, and defensively. They looked terrible. The Packers scored touchdowns basically at will in the, in the first half. Uh, and Micah Parsons, their two-time All-Pro, had no sacks, two tackles in the game, no tackles for loss. Packers figured out how to neutralize him. So, yeah, I think they're certainly not only Mike McCarthy, but Dan Quinn, the defensive coordinator, who 
supposedly has been in in the hunt for head coaching jobs. That didn't help his cause either. But I think a lot of the a lot of the scrutiny now is going to turn with McCarthy coming back to Dak Prescott and and how he performed in that game. And he ends up with 400 yards, but he had 316 passing yards in the second half after the Packers had basically gone up 27 nothing late in the sec- in the second quarter on the pick six, which ended the game more or less. So. Dallas, the only home team to lose, the only top four seed to lose in the wild card round. And as I said, Dak's postseason record now two and five. Three of those losses have been in playoff openers at home, and he's not gotten the Cowboys to an NFC title game. So, yeah, we know the level of competition ramps up in the postseason, but that was just laying an egg in the worst way. But yet, I I thought it was really ridiculous. Dak, after the game, Sounds really introspective. He's talking about, hey, if if Mike McCarthy's under pressure, uh, then I should be too, and all this and that. But meanwhile, he's got a $59.5 million cap number in 2024 in the last year of his $40 million a year deal. The Cowboys have no choice but to extend him because he's got $62 million in dead money if, if he's traded or released. And they're $11 million over the cap. So they've got to extend Prescott, get his cap number down significantly. But what, what's that new contract going to look like? He was probably thinking, I'm going to be a 55 to $60 million a year guy. I'm going to top Joe Burrow and Lamar and Justin Herbert be the highest paid quarterback. Well, now, if I'm the Cowboys, I'm kind of saying, well, well wait a minute here. How did you play in the postseason and what happened there? And and so, yeah, I think he'll still get his $50 million a year deal, but it, it's not going to be as high as he would have hoped before that game. So I think that game did cost him, but he's Dak's going to do just fine. But they need to get him extended because they need to free up money to extend C.D. Lamb and possibly do something with Parsons, although after his performance, they may wait a year on that. So, yeah, I think the Cowboys, we know they're always uh, – the lightning rod around the NFL, but wow, that was just quite the devastating game for Dallas. Yes, uh, Dak was awful. You know, I was disappointed too. I, I've always liked to. I've always thought he was a good quarterback. Uh, he had a really good regular season, and he just did not come up big in Kansas City. Now, listen, it's a good defense. It was cold out. I get it. But he did not look particularly competitive to me in that game. No, it wasn't only that game. Really, for Tua, it was his last three games. Yeah that he didn't play well. And uh, it started with, with getting crushed 56 to 19 in week 17 in Baltimore. He threw two interceptions, completed 58%. <clears throat> then he throws for 173 yards with two interceptions at home in nice weather in the, the regular season finale against Buffalo that cost the Dolphins the AFC's title. They end up in that, in that fifth seed and have to go, have to go to Kansas city or the sixth seed end up in Kansas city and, and they and they lay an egg there, and and Tua again doesn't doesn't play well in that game. Has has an inter, a big interception on an overthrow. Now, yeah, the weather was terrible, it was freezing cold, but he didn't come up big uh, on the big stage. And so, meanwhile, he's he's going into his fifth year option. He's got a twenty three million dollar cap number, <clears throat> and a, and kind of like Dak. <clears throat> the Dolphins are in a tough tough spot. They're in worse shape cap-wise. They're $43 million over the cap. <clears throat> so you would think they would want to do something with him to get his $23 million cap number down, but yet has he done enough to earn 
the $50 million a year contract that he wants, similar to his 2020 class draft, draft classmates, Burrow, Herbert, and Jalen Hurts. I don't know that he's done enough to, to warrant that, especially with his last three games. So I would expect the Dolphins to maybe slow play that a little bit and <clears throat> try to free up money with some other guys like Tyreek Hill and Jalen Ramsey by restructuring their contracts that are in the $30 million cap range and maybe offer to us something around $45 million or so a year, which is still great money, but not what he's looking for. He'll turn that down, and and then they'll say, okay, then show us what you can do. Win an NFC East title, knock Buffalo out of that, and win a playoff game, and, and then we'll talk about that big money. So Tua, he definitely cost himself a lot of money these last few weeks, but the good news for him is he proved that he could stay healthy. He played every game this season with his off-season strength training program, his jujitsu, and all that. He was able to play every game, overcome the concussion problems that he had. And But I think the Dolphins may want to see that another year before they pay him the, the humongous money with those $200 million guarantees that, that can kill a franchise if all of a sudden Tua can't go. So now we have the big teams getting back in the flow. You have the Ravens and the 49ers, two number one seeds, the two teams with bye weeks, uh, ability to rest, get healthy. Uh, McCaffrey's going to be should be healthy after having some hamstring injuries at the back at back end of the season. Uh, do, which of the two number one seeds do you think is in more danger this weekend? Uh, I, th- I think Baltimore is in more danger, and I think both the 49ers and the Ravens will win these games against these hot young QBs in Jordan Love and C.J. Stroud. But Stroud is just coming in. He looks so confident. And and he, even losing one after losing one of his top wide receivers, Tank Dower, earlier in the season, he's played so well. And kind of the hidden factor for Houston is that offensive line is really good. And, and we saw that against Cleveland's number one defense, and Miles Garrett was was held down completely by Laramie Tunsil and, and and the Texans' offensive line. Baltimore leads the league in sacks, has a great defense and a great offense. I think that Lamar Jackson is under enormous pressure. He's got a one in three playoff record in his career, and has had some real bad games. And now they're at home; they're the number one seed. But they've been there before, and they got knocked out by Tennessee back in 2019. So I think that Baltimore, to me, is a little more susceptible than San Francisco, who I just think, with their running game, will kind of carry the day uh, against the Packers and, and, and just pound them with McCaffrey running behind Trent Williams. I think that, that they've, they've got just ultra talent on that team on both sides of the ball. And I think Nick Bosa can put put some pressure on on Jordan Love. But, yeah, to me, Baltimore is the one that's a little more in danger, but I think they'll both win their games. All right, one more topic, then we'll do our picks. If you were an NFL owner right now, would you rather hire Bill Belichick or Jim Harbaugh? That That's a, another interesting question. And I, I think from an age factor, you, you'd probably look towards Harbaugh, who I think is, what, 58, mm-hmm. and, and Belichick 72. So, and, and just looking at, at Harbaugh, the fact that he's been many, many places and succeeded, uh, whether it was San Francisco, Michigan, other, a couple of different places. And so, yeah, I, I would look at Harbaugh, even though he's kind of a, 
a weird guy <laughs> on occasion. <laughs> and, and so, but, but he's certainly done a great job building that Michigan program, maybe a little bit of under the table activity, shall we say, <laughs> but that, that'll work okay in the NFL for the most part. <laughs> and it, it's kind of similar to when Pete Carroll got a Dodge out of USC and went to Seattle and had a lot of success. I think Harbaugh could kind of do the same thing in the NFL. If he, if he ends up at the Chargers, for example, where he'll have a, a top quarterback and, and a lot of talent in that team that Brandon Staley couldn't figure out how to, how to get it out of them. I think Harbaugh could do a really good job there or other places. But, but I think Belichick is really an interesting guy. If he's not being the GM, I think he's still a really quality coach. I mean, New England still played good defense this year, even in, in a terrible season. But, but his choices as a GM, especially a quarterback, just didn't work out and a lot of his other draft picks. So if he just comes in purely as the coach and he's indicated he's willing to do that, whether it's in Atlanta or somewhere else, and, and, and Atlanta, if they can draft a quarterback, but again, Belichick didn't fare too well with Mac Jones after his rookie season. His first season was really good, yeah. but after not so good. I like both those guys as head coaches. I think they, I think they both could do a good job. I think Belichick would really be invigorated, rejuvenated in a new spot, and and, and so I think that they both could do well. But I, I would take Harbaugh. I agree with you. Uh, he won at Stanford. He won at the big at the 49ers. He won big at Michigan. I just think he's a heck of a coach. All right, let's get to the games. Texans, Ravens, what do you think? Yeah, I, I like Baltimore in this game. I think it's going to be close. I think it's going to be a lot closer than than what the, the spread is at this point, which I think is, what, 8 to 10 points, which I think is, is kind of crazy. Uh, but again, they're giving a lot of respect to Lamar Jackson and to Baltimore that, that they don't have a great playoff pedigree. I think if, if Baltimore can win this game, I think the, I think they'll go to the Super Bowl because then I think they get over the hump of winning that game and, and Lamar would have the confidence and, and they, they're getting their, their star tight end back. And so I, I think that I like Baltimore in this game at home. I think that Houston is going to give them a good game, but I think the Ravens will emerge victorious. Packers 49ers. Yeah, I, I, as I said before, San Francisco's running game I think will make the difference here. And, and their defense will put enough pressure on Green Bay. They'll be able to control Aaron Jones, which then puts more pressure on Jordan Love. But it, it certainly wouldn't be a shock if, if Love was able to do it again. But I don't expect that. I think San Francisco wins this game by a touchdown. Well, we're in agreement so far. Bucks lions Yeah, this is a dangerous game for Detroit. I, I think Tampa Bay is underrated. Their defense has played really well for most of the season. They've got some really quality players on that defense. Uh, guys like Vita Vea, you got, you got Devin White, you got Levante David, you got Antoine Winfield Jr. in the secondary, a couple of good corners. I think it's really going to be a, a fascinating game. And the I think that the Detroit secondary being suspect and and with the if, if Baker Mayfield can stay hot, the, this is really a potential upset to me. I'm, I'm going to pick Detroit in a, in a really close game as they won last week. I, I think there's so much confidence with the Lions, and, and I think the home, home crowd just pushes them ahead with, with the roaring crowd in Detroit. 
I'll pick Detroit, but I think it's going to be really close. And then Chiefs-Bills, probably the uh, the highlight game for, for a lot of casual NFL fans this weekend. Yeah, what a great matchup again. They've got a great history, especially Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen, who have split their six games. But Mahomes has beaten Allen twice in the, in the postseason. Of course, that overtime game a couple of years ago that ended up changing the overtime rule because Josh Allen never got the ball. <laughs> and so I, I think it's going to be a, a really, really good game, a fun game to watch. And all of a sudden, Rasheed Rice is emerging to give Patrick Mahomes that weapon he needed at wide receiver to go along with Travis Kelsey and, and Pacheco running the ball. The the, the Bills are banged up in the, going into this game. Josh Allen played played really great in that first half against Pittsburgh and the Bills did beat the Chiefs earlier this year. I'm going to pick Kansas City in an upset. I think that the Bills are banged up especially on defense. I think Mahomes is just so confident on this big stage that I'm I'm going Kansas City upset but again, really close game and certainly wouldn't be surprising if the Bills do win this game. No doubt. Good stuff from Jeff. Thanks to everyone. Thanks again to White Bear Lake Superstore and Platinum Bank. We appreciate you listening. Again, if you like the show, please subscribe to your favorite podcast app. It's free. It's the easiest way to listen. Next week, we're going to talk more about the Vikings' plans, their roadmap for success, and, of course, we'll catch up on all the NFL hey, news. Hey, Jim, you didn't yes. tell me picking your guy, Patrick Mahomes, or not. Uh, I am going to take – This is boy, this is a tough pick for me. Uh, really – there are a lot of things I like about the way the Bills are playing. They've started running the ball. Uh, Josh Allen is still free to make big plays, but he's not having to be the entire offense on an every-down basis. I'm just going to take the Chiefs, mainly because I think Rice emerging as a number one receiver uh, just make gives them that extra dynamic they needed in their offense. I think they're a very good defensive team. And uh, I think I just think Patrick Mahomes is less likely than Josh Allen to make a big t- turnover in this game. So I'm going to go Chiefs. Yeah, and you got to like Andy Reid on, on on this stage this week. Yeah, no doubt about it. Hey, good stuff, Jeff. Thank you. We'll talk next week. Great, thank you. Thank you.